0: Alright. Praise God. It's a, uh, we... We know that God has a season for everything, including the weather. And, you know, we've got some warm weather coming, coming our way here in, in Oregon over the next couple of days. But uh, there's not, not everyone in the nation, obviously, is, has the ability to enjoy some, some good weather. So our prayers go out to everyone in Houston that, um, in, the, in the Texas area and other areas that might be impacted by Hurricane Harvey. So prayers that God keeps them safe and gets them through. Gets them through this this season because it is it is just the season. Um, so we pray that God just keeps His hand on His folks, His people down there, and keeps everybody safe. I want to pick up a little bit from where uh, Pastor left off around taking notes and um, when you when you're coming to church and really how important it is to do that and. I remember in school taking notes, and uh, the only way that I actually learned was when I actually went back and reviewed my notes, and sometimes scrambling and trying to write every single thing down, and just was worried about whether or not I was going to capture everything. And so the key is that not only when you take the notes, but you're actually uh, reviewing those either at the end of each day or next time you pick up your Bible. Um, I know for the last probably year and a half or so, um, you know, God kind of put in this on my heart, and I feel like I should share, that I know when I first started taking Taking, um, taking notes, going to church, it simply started off by just capturing down the scriptures that I read that, that we went through in church that day. There was no other notes other than, okay, it was the the, the book, the, the chapter and the verse, and that was it. Um, and then that night I would go back and I'd pick them up and I'd start reading back through those again. And then over time when I started doing that, then I was able to figure out, God was able to tell me, okay, here's something that you might want to jot down. Here's something you might want to remember um, that you'll remember here. And as I go back and I look at my notes, I see that my notes here Changed over time because I have showed him that I am wanting, I do want to learn about you. I want to keep these things in remembrance to me. Um, I just don't know how to take notes, so I'm just going to start by doing something, and I'll let you lead me and guide me from there. Um, and that's exactly what he did. So I would encourage you if you don't have a notepad or something that you start coming to church, bringing a notepad. Um, these electronic uh, Bibles nowadays, you know, the apps that they have on the iPads and other tablets, you usually do have a note section on there, so making, taking notes that way should be pretty simple, uh, simple as well. Then the key is making sure that you go back and, uh, and actually review them. Um, Pastor also started off talking about priorities, um, so we're actually going to talk a little bit about that today, uh, matter of fact, and we're going to jump right in. So turning your Bibles to Psalms 107. Today we're going to talk about a good way. To help get your priorities in order Psalm 107 Psalm 107 And we're going to start in verse 1 Oh give thanks to the Lord For he is good For his mercy endures forever Underline that For his mercy endures forever Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. Underline all of verse 6. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way, that they, might go to, uh, that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Okay. So, so that's Psalm 10, 107, verses 1 through 8. Now, on your chairs, everyone should have a, piece, uh, a few pieces of paper. Okay. And hopefully you have a pen. If you don't have a pen, borrow one from your neighbor. And if you're lending your pen to somebody, look them in the face and say, why in the world did you come to church without a pen? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. What I want you to do is on that piece of paper, in, in big letters, as big as you can on that paper, I want you to write, let it go with an exclamation mark. If need be, you might have to lean on your neighbor's back to have some support while you're writing. (laughs) (laughs) And if you have an electronic Bible, you might have a note, and you should have some ability to take some notes in there or put a bookmark there. But I want you to capture Let It Go in big letters with an exclamation mark. Now, what I want you to do with that piece of paper is I want you to use it as a bookmark right into that, right to where you are in your Bible. So stick it in there so that you see it like a bookmark. And if need be, you can also write the scripture on there It was Psalm 107, 1 through 8. Is what we just read. Now, I want you to turn to Psalm 46. Keeping that piece of paper there in that bookmark, Psalm 46. You guys probably didn't think you were going to come here today we are going to have something interactive, huh? <laughs> Psalm 46, and we're going to be in, start in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, underline that, therefore we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, Salah. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. Underline that. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord who has, made the desolation, who has made desolations in the earth. On another piece of paper there, so you have three of those cutouts on your, on your chair. I want you to take another piece of paper and again in bold letters, as big as you can with an exclamation mark at the end. I want you to write down, let it go. And I want you to place that in your Bible as well as another bookmark. And the scriptures there we just read were Psalm 46, verses 1 through 8. Now, I want you to turn into your Bibles to Psalm 121. One twenty-one. We're going to start once again in verse one, and I'll wait for everybody to get there. Okay, Psalms one twenty-one, verse one. I will lift up my eyes to the hills, from whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither sleep nor, uh, no, shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your, com- your going out your- and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. So once again, on another piece of paper, I want you to write down in big letters, again with an exclamation mark at the end, let it go. And stick it in your Bible as a bookmark. Okay. And there's a reason that I ha- I'm having you do this. As we go through the message today, we'll tie it all together. Some people write a little slower than others, so it's taking a little bit longer. (laughs) Okay. So, question for you guys is, just thinking about this, who here remembers their first grade, second grade, maybe their third grade teacher at all? I remember two to three. I just can't remember which one was first grade, which one was second grade. So I remember the names. And only remember, the only reason I remember one of them was because my brother was in her class before me. So that's the only way I kind of remember that. Um, and then who remembers that there was always in class there was that one kid that always tattletaled on everybody. Right? There was always that one. <laughs> never did He never he or she never did anything wrong, but they were always telling on everything. It could be that somebody didn't have a pen or their pencil broke. Teacher, teacher, so-and-so's pencil broke. And they did it over and over and over again. You didn't have to do anything bad, but they just felt the need that they wanted to run to the teacher and tell them every single thing. And then what was the famous four letters that the, the teacher would usually say? MYOB, mind your own business, Right. So, when you think about getting your priorities straight, as Pastor Cobb was talking about earlier, a question for you is, are you minding your own business as a Christian? And what does it mean to mind your own business as a Christian? Because God calls us to help each other, right? Well, we're going to look into that a little bit, a little bit more. The reason why we started off with these scriptures is because I want you guys to remember that no matter what comes up, no matter who comes to you with an issue, that you have to let it go. So those are just a few scriptures, and there's many scriptures out there that talk about what God, what God can do, how powerful he is, okay? Um, <clears throat> we just read some references about how God delivered Israel, okay? On numerous occasions, he, he showed him his power, and yet still they kept provoking him. Um, he delivered them from Pharaoh, parted the Red Sea, etc., like that. We're all familiar with that. And he kept showing them the power over and over and over again, okay? We saw in scripture how God does not slumber, he doesn't sleep, which means that no matter matter what we go to him with, he's not gonna tire. He doesn't he's not gonna sit back and say, Okay, you know what, I can't deal with you today. Alright, I got enough on my plate, I'll deal with you next week or something like that, or in a couple of weeks. Let me finish this first and then I'll get back to you. No. He's constantly there and he's always and, and he's always working, okay. So if we know that as Christians, and we know that God is all powerful and he can handle everything, and we go to him with issues Why is it that when somebody comes to us with an issue, we feel our need to insert ourselves into their every single problem to feel like we can do what God is doing? Okay? So we know what God can do. So if we're not let, letting God work and letting him, um, letting him show his power, why do we? If, if we know that, if we know that he can do that, why do we feel the need that we've got to get involved in everyone else's issues and everyone else's concerns? So what we're actually going to look at today is we're going to start looking at what, what does it mean to actually help people? But then also being able to get your priorities straight so that everyone else's problems do not keep you away from focusing on God. So that you can make sure you have your priorities straight. Because one way to not have your priority straight is focusing on the wrong things. So you may be spending time with God. You may be saying, I, I want to learn about him. But if you're doing that and then saying, oh, this person has a problem here. I'm going to go over there and go solve their problems. Then you're totally you're, you're mistaken. and You could be doing more harm than good. Okay? so a few things that we can do that we just read in scripture uh, to kind of help us get our priorities in order and help us to kind of mind our own business so to speak um, is to remember is to, is to thank God for his everlasting mercy okay so God is always going to be merciful forevermore okay so being able to thank him as a reminder that Lord I know that your, your mercy is upon, is upon me even though I'm going through this and even though um, a friend of mine or a family member may be going through something your mercy is upon them and you, it's not your wish or your will for them to continue to struggle okay so keeping that into remembrance and thanking god for the fact that he has that mercy is one way that we can help us kind of uh, mind our own business so to speak constantly looking at what he's done is a great reminder that if he is that powerful and he's delivered israel from the challenges that they've gone through Okay. If he keeps saying over and over again that no matter what happens around you, I will keep you safe. The sun will not uh, scorch you, neither will the moon by night. When he's when he's saying that, that's a good reminder that he is in control. He is all powerful, and that he's delivered you before. He will do it again, just like he always does. And then also remembering that God is our protection. Okay. So we read there in. verse uh verse 8 of uh, psalm 129 the lord shall preserve your going out and your coming you coming in from this time forth and even forevermore so he's not all of a sudden going to say i'm going to keep you safe and then say eh, yeah you know i'm not going to keep you safe anymore i'm gonna just i'm tired of dealing with you, you don't listen to me i'm going to go do something else okay from now and forevermore he will keep you safe now obviously that means that you have to stay in his word you have to stay in alignment with it with his will um so that his so he doesn't remove his protection from you because if you sin then he can't look upon sin and then now you're almost out there you're pretty much out there on your own um and you can get yourself in a lot of a lot of situations there but if you long as you're aligned with his will he will protect you always okay so how do we get ourselves to the point where we're getting our priorities straight and we're we're minding our own business but then we're also helping when god is calling us to do that well the first thing that we need to do is we need to pray so turn in your bibles to james chapter five James five, and we're gonna go to verse thirteen. James five, verse thirteen. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Underline that. If, if anyone among you suffering, let him put, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him. Underline that. Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Underline prayer of faith. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Underline that. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and earth produced its, its fruit. Okay? A couple of things in there. Okay? Verse 14 is anyone among you sick? Let them call for the elders in church and let them pray over them. Okay? There are some Christians out there that will not go to church because they are worried about people getting into their business. Okay? They are worried about whatever's going on in their personal life, getting out there among the congregation, and people are going to start talking about them and and start condemning them and all of those things. And so they say, I'm not even going to bother to go to church. Or what they will do is they will say, okay, service starts at 1030. I'm going to get there at 1035. That way no one has to ask me any questions. I don't have to greet anybody. I'm going to grab a seat in the back, listen to the message. As soon as the message's over, bang them out the door. Nobody's ever going to question me or anything like that. And where do they get that from is well they get that from? Because surprise, yes, there are some people in the church that think that their sole purpose in life is to solve the world's problems, okay? And they will insert themselves into every aspect of of your life or try to do that, thinking that they are helping you when really they're not. And so what will happen is you have Christians that will say, because there's those few people that are in the church that do that, I'm not going to go to church. So now if you don't go to church because you're worried about what people are going to say or what people are going to think, you very well run the risk of missing an opportunity to be connected with someone that God wants to connect you with, that that he's putting in in your place to actually help you through that situation, okay? So, it's important that you don't, in and, the and scripture, and what is it, Hebrews, Hebrews 10, I believe it is, that says, um, forsake, not together, forsake not the gathering together of yourselves. There's a reason for that, all right? So in order for you to make sure you got your, your, your priorities straight, and, and we talk about, well, how do you mind your own business and those kind of things, if you are one of those people that feel like you have to insert yourself into someone else's life just because the, the, the knowledge you may have of the Bible, you may be running the risk of keeping people from coming to the church that you're going to because of of that, that spirit of pride, that, that, that spirit of, oh, I can do this on my own, I can do this on my own, and I'm going to take everything that God shared with me and I'm going to share it with you. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but you have to use some Holy Spirit revelation when you're doing that. Because if you're just going in and sharing and sharing, the person might not be ready to hear whatever it is that you have to say, okay? When you spend time with God, if you, if you, if you really take a step back and, and, and look at... Um, what your day looks like or what your night looks like when you're actually studying and you're reading, typically what you'll see is that no two days and no two nights are the same. No two um, study sessions, if you will, are the same. You don't consistently have an hour or two hours every single day. Sometimes God's going to reveal something in a matter of five minutes. Okay? Um, there's times when I'm sitting in my office and Lord will put something on my heart, and I'll open up my Bible real quick on my iPad, and there might be one or two scriptures there that I take a look at. I'm like, oh, okay. And that quickly, He'll reveal it to me. I'm like, I'm not sure where you're taking me with this, Lord. Later that afternoon, those scriptures will come to mind when I'm sitting in a meeting and something starts to happen and it will tell me how I actually need to respond, okay? So know that if you're just going out on your own trying to help somebody in a situation, they may not be ready for what it is that you have to share. God knows, just like when you're spending time with him, it might be that right now, okay, I know you're desiring more, I'm only going to give you 15 minutes worth. Because if I go over that, you're not going to be able to, you're not ready for that. But then also, I need to see how are you going to respond when I give this to you. I'm going to give this to you. Are you going to come back to me and just keep asking and keep seeking and keep seeking and keep seeking? Because like Pastor was saying earlier, you can't remember everything okay you just can't it's impossible there's a few people out there that have photographic memories they're not the norm you know that's pretty that's the exception where they can read something once and they'll and they'll grasp it but god knows who you are he knows your personality he created you he knows that if he tries to dump an hour's worth of information on you if your personality type is not going to grasp it guess what he's not going to do it he's going to do it in a way that you can grasp it so that you can't stand before him and say lord that was unfair that you gave me all this information because i couldn't remember any of it Because what he's going to say is, no... I gave you the right information that you can bear. You didn't do your part to actually learn about me, okay? You were too busy over here trying to deal with somebody else's problems, and I'm over here trying to share something with you about me that you didn't take the time to say, you know what, I can't deal with that problem. I need to get here and focus on this because there's something that he's trying to show me that's going to help me either with this problem or with another problem. God knows all of that. You don't, okay? So it's important, again, that you do not look at, that That you don't worry so much about, what people are going to think of you, especially when it comes in a church environment, okay? Everybody here in church, and, and, and not everybody, obviously, in churches are like that, unfortunately. But we're here in church. When you hear something about somebody, your obligation is to pray for them, okay? Verse 15, <clears throat> and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. Not you, Amen. okay? You won't do anything to heal anybody that's sick. You won't do anything to be able to bring somebody out of a situation. The Lord is the one that does that. And you can pray all day long, but if you don't have that faith connected with that prayer that prayer is not going anywhere, okay? The prayer of faith that the Bible is talking about here is being able to say that when I go to the Lord and I say, "Lord, help me with this particular situation," okay, is that deep down in your spirit, you know that when you send that prayer up, God is actually going to deliver you. If you don't have that prayer, if you don't have that faith, all that prayer is is just words. Okay You put the faith behind it It gives God the opportunity then to act Now he can actually take action Because you're asking for something You know that he's going to do it And now he can say Okay now I'm going to act And deliver you out of that situation Deliver that person out of that situation Tell you what you need to tell that person So it's not you That's doing anything To actually, uh, to actually save anybody Okay um, Continuing on in verse uh, 15 again And the prayer of faith will save the sick And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Fervent basically means passionate. Okay. A passionate prayer. Now a few weeks back ago, I was talking about um, leadership and the difference between an introvert and someone that um, is, uh, uh, you know, is, is not. Someone that, that allows themselves to be, to be bowled over, so to speak, you know, and somebody, somebody that's timid. And the difference between the two is that an introvert just internalizes everything. They take time to, to think and analyze the situation before they act. Versus someone who's timid that just won't speak up, period. period you know? And that timidity there is really just a driver from fear, okay? So when we're talking about fervent prayer and having passionate prayer, it doesn't mean that you're always out there with the, oh, hallelujah, thank God, and doing all that that stuff it doesn't mean that at all it really means it's kind of what's in your heart because everybody has a different personality type god is going to use your personality type to accomplish what he wants so if you're an extroverted person your prayer may sound like that but if you're not an extroverted person your prayer is not going to be any less effective just because it doesn't seem like there's that emotion that's coming out behind it okay there are some very effective prayers that can be prayed as long as you have the faith behind it. That's why in Scripture it says the prayer of faith will save the sick. So it's not about how it sounds because you can get out there and you can have everybody saying amen and hooting and hollering and jumping around. If you don't really believe what you're praying, nothing's going to happen. Okay, So you have to have some, some, some passion behind it. And the beautiful thing with passion is that if you're actually passionate about whatever it is you're doing, it's going to show. So you could very well be a quiet person, but you start praying and you start putting some passion behind it, you may start coming out and, and exhibiting, you know, uh, some some sort of behavior that you're like, wow, I didn't know I could do that. And people will step back and they'll look at it and they'll say that's somebody with passion versus someone that's actually putting on a show. Okay, so fervent prayer means that you're praying praying with passion. Um, so effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And there's an example of that. Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain. So for three years and six months, it didn't rain. Think about that for a minute. Living in the Pacific Northwest where it rains literally, what, nine months out of the year? I'm not joking for Oregon, and I think Seattle was like 11 months out of the year. Statistically, it shows that. Imagine that if you had effective, fervent prayer, that you could actually stop it from raining here for three and a half years potentially. Okay, And people will look at that and they'll say, well, it probably really wasn't three and a half years. You see, in those days, three years probably really meant three hours or something like that. And, and people will try to, try, try to put some mathematics or try to put some science behind it because it just doesn't make sense that somebody can say something out there to nothing you know and i say nothing i mean these are the people that don't believe in god so if they think of somebody praying they're just thinking like you're just talking to the air or you're talking to the universe that by doing that all of a sudden it stops raining for three and a half years okay bible is pretty clear that that's what happened okay so effective or fervent, effective and fervent, passionate and effective, having faith. You put all of those together when you're praying about anybody or any situation, that's how God is going to move. So you can pray for someone, you got to be passionate about what you're praying for, so that's where that fervent prayer comes from. Having that faith makes that prayer now effective, which then allows God to operate in that person's life. So if you put all of that together... Why are you so far into their business and not focusing on the things that God needs you to focus on? Okay? In verse 18, and he prayed again in the heaven, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Okay? Turning your Bibles to 1 Timothy. First Timothy 1 Okay <clears throat> Therefore I exhort First of all That supplications Prayers intercess- Intercessions And giving of thanks Be made for all men Underline that All men Okay Didn't say pray for some Said pray for all We are I'm sorry 1 Timothy Chapter (laughs) 2. Oh, good. That's good to know everyone's away. Good. You passed the test. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse (laughs) 1. That's what happens when there's too many ones and twos close together. They start switching up. (laughs) All right, let's try this again. Round 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse (laughs) 1. Therefore, I exhort, exhort first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Underline all men. Okay. Didn't say some, said all. Verse 2. For kings and all who are in authority, that we might live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved, underline all, all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. A lot of things there that we're going we're, we're gonna to touch on. Okay. Verse 2 there, for kings and all who are in authority. We're going to talk business a little bit here for a second to paint. I'm going to paint a picture for you. Okay. Uh, Back during Moses' time, okay, if you remember, he was instructed to find able-bodied men to be put over a group of people. That group of people then also, there was supposed to be some other able-bodied men to be put over another group of people. So what you see there... Um, and for those that were in Bible studies a few weeks ago when we started talking about this a little bit, you there see the, the development of the organizational structure, okay? So you see Moses as the main man in charge, if you will, as the main manager in charge, was appointing an executive team underneath him. That executive team of managers was then appointing another group of managers among, um, under them. So now you start to see the management structure and the organizational structure be developed, okay? If you're in a position, or anybody that's in a position of management or leadership, you are there because of your ability to work together with people. Being able to bring people together to accomplish a common good. Not getting involved into, in the day-to-day or down in the weeds is what we usually say. Getting down into the weeds of everything that's going on. It's there to work with people, to help them develop, to help them to grow, to lead them through areas where they're not so sure about or they might be afraid of. That's the role of a manager and a leader. So you keep that in mind as, we talk, as, you, as you look at that scripture. Um, they're about all kings and, or who in authority, or, or, and those that are in authority. Okay, Now, The cultural leaders of any organization are going to be your managers. They are there because they have a decision-making level that others do not have within the organization. Okay, So whatever they say, for the most part, is what's going to go. So you pull a group of managers together and you say, we want to go to Portland and we need to figure out how to get from Salem to Portland, but I-5 is closed. That group of managers is there to make decisions on how do we do that. You engage other people as needed, but the ultimate decision-making authority comes on the manager. Okay? God knows that in all of his infinite wisdom, that whatever manager says typically goes. So what does that have to do with this? The reason why you have to pray for your leaders and for the kings, as the Bible is saying, is because they are in positions of authority to make decisions that will impact your life on a day-to-day basis. Okay. So for, and I'm going to go here for a little bit. So for those out there that watch the news... President Trump is the president. Instead of bashing him, lift him up in prayer because verse 2 says to do that. Okay. I don't care if you agree with him Whether you voted for him Whether you didn't vote for him Whether you like him Whether you don't like him I don't care Whatever president has ever been in office In the past In the future It does not matter Because that person is in a position of authority Because God number one Allowed them to be there Okay that's first and foremost God allowed that person to be there To execute whatever it is According to God's plan So the smart thing for you to do Is to not complain about him Not to post stuff up on Facebook Talk about how, oh, I'm not going to watch this, or I'm going to go dark, or this and that. Stop holding these protests in the streets that aren't working because God is not in those protests, okay? The most important thing to do that God is calling us to do, for you to do, that God is calling us to do, is to lift him up in prayer, just like any other person that's in authority. You have a boss that's getting on your nerves, instead of complaining about the boss, lift the boss up in prayer. Okay, Because whatever decision that that person in that leadership authority has, whatever de- or whatever authority they have, whatever decision they're going to make will trickle down to you. So God knows that in his infinite wisdom, he's calling us to pray for people in those positions because he knows at some point whatever decision is made at that level is going to trickle down. To all of us that may not have that level, that, that ability to make those decisions. So we either can sit here and keep complaining about it and keep crying about it and say, Oh my gosh, woe is me, this world is going to hell in a handbasket and, and, and all of those things. Or you can actually get on your knees and pray and help be part of the solution and not continue to be part of the problem. Okay, So again in verse 2, um, let's go back to actually verse 1, so we get it in context. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Okay? So you can't exclude somebody because you don't like them. Amen. Can't do that. God says it says right here, for all men, for kings and all who are in authority. So you cannot just pray for your governor and then decide, I'm not going to pray for the president. Amen. I'm going to pray for my boss, but I'm not going to pray for the governor. It's for all, all that are in authority, that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Okay? For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. Again, about kings and people of authority, if you look at this country, there are several states where it is not acceptable... To remove a nativity scene from the capital steps. Okay, Why is that? Because the king, quote unquote, that's an authority, says, you know what? I'm in charge of this entire state. I'm bringing God into my life. God would not want me to remove a nativity scene from the Capitol steps because there's a few people out there that can't understand the fact that Christmas is about the birth of Christ. Okay. I remember I was at a, um, an international conference um, back east last August um, for, my, for my place of business. And uh, it was amazing. There, there was people from all different countries there. And part of the initial ceremony was they were walking in the flags so everyone would stand up. And they walked in the flags from every single country and they lined them up around the room. It was a great, great ceremony there. After that was done, they said, okay, everybody please remain standing as Reverend so-and-so comes up. The reverend got up there, and this is about about 400 people that were at this conference. And he got up there, even with the media present, got up there and prayed. And as I'm sitting there, and I, and I have my eyes closed, and I'm listening to his prayer, for a split second there, I asked myself, I said, am I in church or am I in a conference? And, and I say that because this reverend was not afraid of who was in the room. Amen. This was part of this conference where... We spent about five minutes, and this reverend led us in prayer, and he ended the prayer in the name of Jesus, okay, no matter who was in there, all right, so here now this conference, I mean that whole conference now, the stage was set that God is coming into this conference, you called me up here to pray for people, this is what I'm going to do, okay, in front of the governor as well. The governor was there as well. And nobody had any qualms about it. Now, if they did, I'm sure some folks probably didn't like it. But it didn't happen in the conference. Okay? And so it was amazing to see that because, again, the king, if you will, that was an authority said, this is not going to be an acceptable practice. We're going to bring God into this. Amen. So you really want to see the country change? You really want to see major, major things happening and seeing a shift in God moving in this country? You need to pray for the people that are responsible for making those conversations. Kind of decisions Okay It doesn't matter Whether you agree with them A lot you, uh, Or not You don't have to like them You don't have to Didn't have to vote for them But the reality is If they're successful in their position, then guess what? That means you're successful as well because they're making decisions based on your behalf. So instead of hoping for someone to be removed, which would be a failure to not only that individual into this country, but then basically what you're doing is you're going against God's word. Because God said they are there because I allowed them to be there. All right? So pray for them. And then whatever is going to happen, it's up to them to then execute that decision. The same way that when you're sitting in church, it's up to you whether or not you want to take notes. When you go home, it's up to you whether or not you want to review those notes or read the Bible or pray and do some more studying or go to Bible study. That's all on you. So what we have to do when it comes to those people that are in authority is make sure that we lift them up in prayer. That's our responsibility, okay? And then don't start complaining um, if you don't lift them up in prayer and they don't do what you think that they should be doing, okay? All right. So again, there, um, those those scriptures that we just read, James and Timothy, what do we need to do to help us kind of mind our own business? The first thing you got to do is you got to pray and understand what's what's going on. The next thing you do is look for a sign. Let's go to Matthew 24. We're going to look at something familiar here. We've been to this one plenty of times. Matthew 24. And, and and praying about <coughs> these things it's so important too because if you think about this how easy is it to insert yourself into somebody else's issues than dealing with your own? it's pretty easy, right? because all you have to do is just tell them you know what you should do with this you should do this you should call this person then you should do this you should do this you can lay it out for them and then just walk away from it what's your responsibility? nothing when it comes down to dealing with your own issues it's a lot harder because now you're responsible for actually dealing with him, okay? So even bringing God into that discussion about, okay... This person has this. God is trying to tell me to deal with this. And I'm going to go deal with this instead of that. Well, it's probably because God is trying to tell you that in order for you to deal with this problem in your life, you're going to have to do A, B, C, and D. You don't want to do it. So I'm going to ignore it from that. No responsibility Then I'm going to go talk over here with this person and say, you should do this. You should do that. You should do that. You should do that. And then God's saying, leave him alone. You come back over here so you can deal with this. Okay? So it's pretty easy to get involved in somebody else's issues. Alright So Matthew 24 verse 1 Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple And his disciples came up to show him The buildings of the temple And Jesus said to them do you, do you not see all these things? Assuredly I say to you Not one stone shall be left here upon another That shall not be thrown down Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives The disciples came to him privately saying Tell us when these things will be, and what sign will be, and what will be the sign of your coming, and the and the end of the age. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you, up to the tribu- uh, di- deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. The reason why we looked in that scripture there was because the disciples asked specifically, What's the sign of your coming? Okay, And Jesus told them. Here's all the things that you can see that will tell you that the end is coming, but it's not there yet. You will see this, and 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 then the end is coming, okay? So why do we need to look for a sign, all right? The reason why you need to look for a sign, it kind of goes back to what I was saying a little bit earlier, is that if you think that you should go out and go help somebody else with their problems, and you got some issues of your own that need to be dealt with in your own house, that's probably, probably a good sign that you need to focus on your own house okay you need to get things in line in your life okay um, why would God send you to go help somebody else with their problems when your issues aren 't squared away now i 'm not saying that we all don 't have our own issues that that, that happen in life um, mm-hmm. that we need to deal with because we 're all perfect but if you 've got somebody if you 've got something major going on in your life, how could God expect you then to not deal with that, but then go deal, try to go help somebody else, okay? Why would God tell someone that, um, for example, you've never been married before, but, yeah, you're going to go ahead and be a, a marriage counselor. What experience do you have? How is what you're going to say going to actually help that individual? Right? Maybe that individual actually needs to go to church and talk to somebody in church that's already been there, that God is trying to put them in, the, in there. But since you go to that same church, you start inserting yourself into somebody else's life around marriage, but you've never been married before, and you start sharing things with them that they're not ready for, that may keep them out of the door of coming to the church to actually get the help that they need. Okay? So when you start getting these signs... What do you start to do? So if you look at here in scripture, it talks about wars and rumors of wars. And we've been talking about that here in Genesis 1. as has many other preachers for, uh, for, for a while now. And what do you see what happens when you look out there in the news? You see these things happening. okay? Wars, rumors of wars. The most recent one is this whole thing between the U.S. and North Korea. right? About getting nuclear missiles and firing them off it, at, at U.S. territory. So that sign is out there. Okay? Jesus is saying When you see this When you hear this The end isn't, here, isn't yet here But it means it's coming Okay, They will deliver you up in tribulation and kill you We see Christians being persecuted in other countries The sign is there What are you going to do? Nation against nation Kingdom against kingdom Famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places Those things are happening That's another sign Many false prophets coming up and to deceive many. Lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold. How many protests seem to happen almost every single week? For what purpose? You ask any of those, and you can watch this stuff on the news. When they go there and they start asking them, what are you protesting? None of them have a clear message. Lawlessness. Okay? Who would ever think we'd be in a, in, in a nation where it's okay to rip off statues that represent our history? And these people doing that are being raised up as heroes and saying, well, somebody, somebody needs to say something because they're speaking on the behalf of the minority that's, that's, that's going unheard. That's lawlessness, okay? Who'd ever think we'd be in a, in a, in a time where, where, where people think that it's okay to go from one state to another state to ram your car into a group of people because you don't believe what they believe in? Regardless if the protest is ungodly, it doesn't matter what the, with, with the, it doesn't matter what the subject is. Why do, would you think that it's okay to go ahead and just take the life of people like that? That's lawlessness. Okay? So the signs are there. So the question becomes then, if the signs are there that the end is coming, and we're talking about priorities and minding your own business, so to speak, when you see these signs, what are you doing? Are you becoming just like them and going to these, the, to, to these rallies and, and, and being more a part of the problem than you are of the solution? Or are you getting on your knees and are you praying? Do you realize that you can't change the situation? All you can do is pray for the people that are leading those. Or are you just going to go out there and say, I'm going to boycott this event, I'm going to cancel this TV channel, I'm not going to watch this, I'm going to cancel my newspaper subscription, not going to watch cable anymore, because every time I turn on the TV there's something negative on there? Or are you going to use that information that you see in the news and that you read in the newspapers and even things you may see on Facebook and get on your knees and say, Lord, here's what's going on in this country. I know this is not what you want for us and I know this is part of your ultimate plan. But we've got to be able to do something different, Lord. Step in here. Take, over, take control over this country. Pray for the leaders. All the leaders that are out there that are in charge of making these decisions, help them use wisdom. Give them the wisdom of Solomon so that they can take this country in the direction that you want to take it. Or are you are just going to go on there and tell all your friends about how they should stop watching this and stop doing this and stop doing that? Okay? I mean, really, the choice is yours. The level of impact that you can have is what you do with your prayer Not with what you're doing about complaining about a situation. Okay? So to get your priorities straight and minding your own business is really understanding how do I contribute to solving the problem? And that's by prayer and letting God get in there and act. Because know that whatever is going on, everything that's happening, God is still very much in control. Because if he wasn't, it would be a hundred times worse than what it is. Alright? And Jesus gave us a warning right there. We just read it. All these things are going to happen. This is the sign. You're looking for a sign. But he's not coming back until the witness is shared across the entire world. So everybody has an opportunity to, to, to actually learn about God. So you see what's happening with the Internet and how easy it is to grab information. I mean, how quickly is it to go on there, Facebook, Twitter, whatever one of those things that you use, to go on there and find information about something that happened before it even hit the news? That's not hard at all. So if you think of that, think it from from that perspective, God's word to spread throughout the entire world, not hard at all. Pretty easy to do. And we need to recognize that because that means that Jesus is not that far from, from coming back. Okay, a few, uh, was it last week or the week before, Pastor gave a message around um, living ready, right? So it's not to sit here and think like, all right, so I think God is coming back in two months, so I can use this month to do whatever it is I want. Starting next month, I'll start to change just in case he doesn't come back right at 60 days, maybe it's 57 days. No, you got to get ready now. So part of getting your priorities in straight is making sure that you understand there's all of these things that are happening around the world. What am I doing to make sure that I'm grounded, that I'm listening, that I know what God's direction is for me so that I can then go ahead and move forward and focus on the right problems? Someone asked me um, in a temporary assignment I had, A few years ago, I was in a management position, and someone had asked me, they said, do you feel like you're running around drinking from a fire hose all the time, which is kind of the language you say when, when, you, when you have to go around and deal with every single issue that pops up, and every single issue seems like a priority, and you can't actually do your job because you're, you're putting out fires. And I told them, I said, no, I said, I said no, not really. And they said, how do you do that? You're the first manager I've ever heard say that. And I said, well, I, I know what my priorities are and I know what problems I'm supposed to be solving. So I'm not going to involve myself in the entire organization's issues. I pray about it. When God gives me the opportunity to be involved in a work group or some sort of project to help deal with those issues, then I'll get more and more, more into it. But right now, my span of control is this. So I'm focused on this span of control. I have enough here to do with this than it is to to deal with all those other issues there that I can't impact. The only way I can impact them is is, is by praying, okay? The last thing we do is you have to take action. So you've prayed, you look for a sign. Now the next thing you do, you have to take action. So turn to Galatians chapter 5. As we begin to wrap this up. galatians 5 verse 16 talk about somebody and say oh that person they are so patient they're so loving i wish i had that in me i wish i had that ability what the bible is saying here is that as you get the fruit of the spirit okay don't become conceited and puffed up in yourself okay because by exercising the fruit of the spirit you have traits that people desire that's not for you to sit there and say, oh, yep, I've got the fruit of the Spirit. I'm this and I'm that and I'm all that and a bag of chips and all of that. And, you know, I'm so good and I'm high and mighty and I'm holier than now and I'm better than you. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Okay? That's what Scripture is saying there. If you have those traits, thank God for them, but don't allow yourself to be puffed up in pride because very quickly... It will turn the other way. We, we know what happened with Lucifer when he became prideful um, in heaven. It got him kicked out of heaven. Okay. And then now we, we have all the issues that we have now. So it's good to pray for those things. Um, but once you get those, do not go walking around thinking that you're better than everybody else. Okay. So to wrap this up. Okay. It's important that we help people. Okay. It's important that we pray for them. It's important that we offer them advice when, when they ask for it. But you have to do it in the line with what Holy Spirit is wanting you to do. Okay? Because you may end up doing more harm than good. And you may end up filling up your life with everyone else's problems. And God is saying, hey, I'm trying to talk to you. Come here. Stop dealing with that. Come here. That doesn't have any impact on your household. This, is, this does. You need to see this. You need to see this. But you're so often worried about everybody else's problems to the point where, as Pastor was talking earlier about, how it brings stress and anxiety. You can relieve a lot of stress and anxiety from your life if you get rid of the stuff that doesn't matter. Okay? And the only things that should matter are the things that God is saying, I want you to pray for this person. I'm going to put this person in your path. You're going to see these issues, but you need to come to me as you're dealing with them. All right? and, the, and the folks that I'm describing that don't do that, you know who they are. You can see them. Because there's a big difference between going up to somebody and saying, hey, you mentioned last time that you had this, this, this going on. How are you doing with that? That looks completely different than someone that's coming up to you and just saying, Hey, so I got something for you. Remember when you told me about this, this, and this? Here's what you can do. You can do da 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 da. da. Okay? You can see the difference between, um, but b- between someone that's genuinely just kind of asking out of concern because they really want to know who you, want to learn about you and just want to see how you're doing versus those that really think that I'm going to get in there and I'm actually going to solve the problem. So for those that may be listening to this and they're, they're thinking about, um, Whether or not I should go to church and and, and, and share share things about me. God will put the right people in your path to help you deal with whatever situation you're going through. If you think that you're one of those people that keeps getting worried and bogged down by everybody else's issues, take a step back and really ask yourself, am I focused on the right issues? Part of getting my priorities straight is, yes, getting in alignment with God. So in order to do that now, I've got to go to God and say, all right, Lord, I want to get you as my number one priority. Help me prioritize the issues and the things that I deal with in my life. Amen? All right. With that being said, let's prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.